38. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesar and Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. And he called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father. The word of God for the world. Will you pray with me? Brother Jesus, you call us to just be on the way with you. But it's when you say hard things. And it's when we tell you what's on our hearts. And fear to be called. We don't have our minds on what you have your mind on that it's hard for us to stick with you. So help us. Send your spirit to open our minds into what is hard so that those words that seem challenging can also heal and can also open us up to sing more of the way that is to truth and to life with you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It seems to me that when thinking about being on the way with Jesus, it's helpful to actually practice being on the way somewhere with someone who knows the way better than you do. So I went on a hike with a friend on Friday. We went up to Stone Mountain near DuPont State Forest. Maybe some of you have been on this trail. She had been there a few times before, but I had not. And I was not prepared for this trail. Being on the way up the mountain with her on this trail I didn't know I had to trust her description of it, which she gave me a few miles in, laughing, saying, oh yeah, I forgot. It's a little bit rocky, I already knew that, 
and it's steep. There's some steep inclines, but there'll be a field near the top where you can take a break. But then it's a really steep, all hands and feet climb for about five minutes until we get to the top. But it's going to be so worth it, I promise. My friend does yoga. She's very nimble and light, and I'm huffing and puffing, following in her footsteps most of the way. But when we got to the top, it was indeed worth it. We could see Asheville from the top. It's gorgeous views all the way around. And reflecting on this hike yesterday and the views that went with it, led me to realize that being on the way up the mountain could give me an insight into this passage that I'd overlooked or hadn't considered before. Being on the way with Jesus feels both like being with Jesus on his way that leads to truth and life, as well as being about the way we live our lives, with Jesus most of the time alongside us, teaching us, listening to us, and showing us in action what real faithfulness looks like. Either way you look at it, being on the way inevitably leads to conversations about dreams of the future, disappointments from the past, hopes for the present, and trusting that the experiences of walking the way together creates a bond of mutual care. It is hard to go on a five or six mile hike with just one other person and not find yourself in talk that kind of matches the terrain you're on. You're talking about the rocky places in your life, those moments and relationships where your feet slip out from under you and you catch yourself. When you share about the valleys and the hills of life and faith, and trust that one day all will be revealed and we'll get to see great things from such a distance and with such clarity that we'll appreciate the ways that we took to get to our destination. I imagine that Peter, the disciples, and Jesus had these kinds of conversations many times. They walked everywhere when they weren't in a boat, so there was plenty of time for these existential questions and engaging in rich dialogue as they made their way along lonely and sometimes crowded dusty roads. Mark writes about one of these times to help his community as a reminder for them to reorient themselves toward each other as they practiced being on the way with Jesus. So Mark tells a hiking story about a conversation that close friends tend to have when they're walking in the wilderness and have nothing else to distract them. I'd imagine if it were set during today, it would be a very different thing to think of Jesus having coffee with Jesus. And you just, you don't get as deep when you're just walking together. There's nothing in between you to distract you. So they had a conversation, Jesus and Peter, Exploring identity, purpose, and meaning, rooted in dreams for the future, influenced by disappointments from the past, and expressing hopes for the present. Jesus opens the door to each of the disciples 
to respond to his rather straightforward question, who do you say that I am? But it's just Peter's response that Mark is interested in recording and using it as a mirror to show future generations of way followers what exactly that means. Because when Peter said, you are the Messiah, it's more like he meant, you, Jesus, have triumphant Messiah potential. You will restore the unity of Israel, drive out the Romans from power, and once again, establish God's favor after all the enemies of the Jewish people were vanquished in a victorious final battle. And maybe the others heard what Peter said and thought, well, Peter said it better than any of us could. We'll just let him speak for the group. So they didn't add their responses. The way they wanted to be on with Jesus was a way of triumphal entries into halls of power, overthrowing Roman oppression and reclaiming the glory days in Israel, like when King David ruled on the throne. But that way, Jesus shushes, basically saying, shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't tell anyone else that's what you're thinking, because that's not what I'm thinking. That's not what I've been sent to do. That's not the way I'm walking. Because the way of Jesus, he describes, entails something vastly different. Rocky places. Valleys of shadows, suffering, and death. And the promise that it will all be worth it. Because three days after what seems to be the end of this particular path, the view will shift from an empty cross to an empty tomb. But this Peter cannot abide. I wonder if he even heard that last part about the resurrection. He cannot abide this suffering path and so rebukes Jesus. It's crazy. Why would you do that to yourself? But Jesus again silences Peter, aligning him with the adversary, the one we met last week in the wilderness, who encourages and endorses the kind of messianic script where the Messiah prevails over the enemy through superior force and righteous violence. Jesus knew that it is with this lie that Satan rules history as nations and peoples invoke God and God's name while they destroy each other, destroy their enemies through just wars and crusades. It is against all of this that Jesus' strategy of nonviolence comes in contact. The son of man who understands that the real enemy is violence itself. That is a hard way to walk. Can we blame Peter for not wanting that way for Jesus, for his friend, for his teacher? But still, Jesus calls them and calls us now, any who would be his disciples, to live this kind of way, doing three things, denying ourselves, meaning to live no longer as the center of our own worlds, and to live as instead according to God's will of love. We are to take up our cross, as opposed to take up your sword, which was a popular recruiting call 
for the first century Jews who really wanted to be free and were tired of waiting for a nonviolent resolution to a violent, oppressive power. And then to follow Jesus, to identify with the way of life that subverts the claim that Caesar is Lord and instead practices an ethic of loving, nonviolent resistance. This way elevates the divine things over human things. And that's hard to deny ourselves, take up any other way than violence as a way of interacting in the world, and to follow, knowing that that way will get us into trouble if we're taking it seriously. It holds up the mirror of the question, who do we say Jesus is? It's one to answer every day, not just a once-in-a-lifetime commit and profess your faith. Because our answer, yours and mine, reveals as much about how we understand ourselves as it does about how we understand Jesus. I think our answer can change throughout our lives. I've been thinking about that, so I could be wrong, but I believe our answer to who we say Jesus is changes with us. We're called to be on the way in constant movement, learning as we go more and more about this one we say we follow, this one who calls us beloved, who enlivens our relationships with fellow followers and bestows upon us the responsibility for seeing this way through. Jesus' way of discipleship is like a spiral, a spiral of beloved relationship, responsibility, and community that moves inwardly and outwardly, earthly and heavenly, creating and sustaining life like spiritual DNA. We're called to be on the way with each other, and as Paul writes to the church in Galatia, to bear one another's burdens and sorrows. And that fulfills the law of Christ, the law of beloved relationship and responsibility to practice loving one another in authentic community. Last Wednesday night, at our dinner dream discern time, we experienced glimpses of such a moment of practicing what we say Jesus is to us by responding to this simple, straightforward question, what is your biggest need right now? The answers varied. It was a challenging question for some. Because the question underneath that question is, how real can I be with these people? Until someone took courage and shared their truth, was really real, which in turn led to others being able to wade in and be really real as well. There was pain that was talked about, and some tears were shed. There was love that we let out, and some more tears were shed. There were nudgings by the Holy Spirit to confess that there have been thoughts and prayers for one another, without acting on them. And there was also space to embrace and forgive and say, let's keep trying to love each other more. 
let's be specific on what that love looks like. Wednesday night was just the beginning of what it looks and feels like to be on the way with Jesus, practicing being vulnerable and gentle and forgiving and authentic. Not just talking about it, but living it. And yes, we mess up sometimes. Yes, we disappoint each other. Yes, we may feel like we've even encountered the adversary, even at church. When what we need is simply to be heard, our deepest desires and fears and yearnings to simply be acknowledged when life is really hard. But we also know that it's like people like Peter, who talks often before he thinks that the church is built. It's on people like James and John who fuss about who is the greatest that the church is built. It's on people like Thomas who ask lots of questions and really need certainty. And it's like people like Judas, the sainted scapegoat who are on the edges of themselves, still called friend and have a role to play in the divine story that the church is built. It's on people like you and me, saints and sinners in our own ways, that we are and that the church is built. And in that way, the way of Jesus continues. So may it be so with you, with me, with all of us today, tomorrow, and always, that in and through us, the way keeps going. Thanks be to God. Amen.